Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is James Dreer. I'm joined here by Tyler Big Herbie Herbock. Yeah, what's up? And Trey Stinky Fingers Jose was not confident enough in his starts and sits this week. He had to <laughs> sit out. Yeah, I he mean, had to. He had to take a hiatus. <laughs> the hiatus include ayahuasca. <laughs> Good old ayahuasca hiatus. That's that's all right. We uh, we. Why will... wasn't that dubbed when when Aaron Rodgers did that? The ayahuasca hiatus. Like, come on, that's like yeah. the perfect like headline. Yeah, trademark that copyright. Let's get that <laughs> squared away. Uh, no, thank you all for joining us today, tonight, uh, whenever you might be listening. Uh, we are the Fantasy Football Fathers. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at the FF Fathers or on Instagram at the FF Fathers. And uh, you can see how much better looking Tyler is than the rest of us. Hey, that's the nice thing you ever said to me. <laughs> I hope not in our fucking 30. 30- Two years of existence uh, and <laughs> knowing each other, but um, anyways, uh, today we're going over our starts and sits of the week for week eight. Uh, so exciting stuff! Hell yeah! It's that time of the week. Well, I feel like it's that time of year where you know people are either doing well. Or they're not doing so well in fantasy football, and you get so excited for the season, and then things don't go your way, and uh, you start to get a little demoralized, or maybe want to stop, you know, setting your lineup or trying to win. And we're here to tell you that right now is when you got to really just buckle up and, uh, you know, keep your head down and fucking grind through it because anything can happen. League changes week to week. Um, your your team could be shitty this week and be great next week. So just keep on keeping on, you know? That's yeah. what we got to do in this life. Yeah, I keep making those moves, man. Um, you never know when the right move is what sets you over the top. Plus, I mean, like you said, I mean, maybe you've just been hit with guys not producing the way we thought they would, and then they come on at the end of the season. Um, I can remember specifically last year, I had two different teams that were that at this point were two and four, and I made the playoffs in both those leagues still. So you can yeah. do it. It's, you can turn it around, but you got to be willing to to get a little aggressive, honestly. Um, you know, really, you got to go. Honestly, you have to go get some trades. Sometimes you got to. Yeah. Try to maybe you have to get rid of one of your top tier players that bring on more depth, like two guys that you can start versus just the one guy that's super elite. No, I think that's a good point. I mean, trade deadline is is approaching soon, um, so if you're going to make some plays right now, is the time to to go out and and make some trades for guys that could have a big second half of the year. Yep. Um and just take some risk, you know, and and throw it all out there because, you know, it's, it's kind of now or never time. Um, and if your team is right on the brink of, you know, maybe making the playoffs or not, it's it's time to kind of throw everything out there and and see what sticks. 
Absolutely. Like, honestly, there's a couple guys I have in mind that so far this season that haven't actually been as productive as we expected them to be. Um, but I still expect them to come out and have bit, huge bit second halves. And uh, and honestly, just to throw it out there, like I would absolutely target a guy like Chris Olave, who is not having the season that many expected. Uh, the whole Saints offense is kind of in flux yeah. and has been great. Um, but eventually, this offense is going this is going to start getting go. They're going to quit shooting themselves in the foot. They tend to just make stupid mistakes every week. And eventually, that's going to change. Olave is still getting an insane target share. And so that target share is going to end up turning into mad production. So you might as well go out, get aggressive with the trakes. I, I honestly expect him to get back into receiver one status uh, sooner rather than later. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of trade targets out there. Like, if you could convince someone who has a deep roster, maybe holding uh, Bijan Robinson, who was mysteriously ill last week. Uh, but, you know, we're now in week eight, and Bijan Robinson hasn't had a rushing touchdown all year. Uh, maybe you could put something together for a uh, Bijan Robinson and get him a little cheaper than expected. Another guy that comes to mind right off the top of the head. Uh, we didn't even talk about this <laughs> before we started recording, but here we are. Um, T. Higgins is another guy who has been extremely disappointing, uh, but has an incredible ceiling. And I think, you know, Cincinnati Bengals coming off the bye. Um, and Joe finally getting back into kind of a hundred percent shape. We don't even know if he's, he's there yet, but he definitely looked better before the buy T Higgins, you know, has been super, super frustrating as someone who owns him <laughs> in our home league, the first league we ever, you know, started and played in, uh, which is probably our most important league. I, I roster him in that league. He's super super disappointing um to yeah. the point where i don't even know if i want to start him this week but um honestly that's I, I did not realize how bad of a season he was having i don't i don't have any shares of t higgins in my league so i guess i haven't been paying close enough attention to him but he's played in five games and has scored less than three point three points or less in four of those he has one big game and every yeah. other game he has three points or less that's insane it is. Um, it is insane. As <laughs> someone who, you know, drafted him in our home league, it it's super frustrating. And if you're in your home league, I guarantee you the manager of T. Higgins feels exactly the same as I do. Uh, but we know, we know the ceiling of T. Higgins is really high. Like he can have uh, weak winning games. Uh, for your fantasy football team. And so uh, he's someone I would, you know, if, if you want to shoot your shot and go get a guy that has a super high ceiling and, and you might be able to get him cheaper than normal, I would, uh, I would, I would consider maybe throwing out an offer for T Higgins. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, the only thing that I would say against that is that his, uh, his matchups are rough for the next four weeks. 
Yeah. San Francisco, Buffalo, Houston, who is a top five defense against wide receivers, and then Baltimore. I mean, it's kind of like a murderer's row of defense he's going up against um, in the next few weeks. So that's, that kind of sucks. Um, but, I mean, this offense in general has to get it going. If they want to have a chance to make the playoffs, they got to get more explosive. Um, obviously, everyone's going to be a little more healthy coming off the bye week here. So I expect changes to have been made. Um, this is a team that's, you know, had true Super Bowl aspirations coming into the season. They've, you know, we're just there two years ago, made it to the AFC Championship game last year. Like, they have a chance of, of putting it back together. Um, so, I mean, something's got to change. And I feel like they probably got it, figured it out this over the bye week. Uh, one more name I'll throw out there. Austin Eckler, who's had a disappointing season, um, you know, mostly dealing with injury, but it's kind of been surprising his usage as they're slowly kind of ramping him back up. Maybe you can take advantage of someone who's just super frustrated and drafted Austin Eckler in the first round and is, you know, just scratching and clawing for wins. Maybe you can go ahead and pluck Austin Eckler for another mediocre running back plus another maybe wide receiver three or two. Yeah. I like that one too. But anyways, those are just some names. That's just kind of off the whim of, uh, you know, what we're thinking right now as we're in mid season trade deadlines approaching and, and you might need to make some moves to, to go get a win. But, um, Let's get into the news as of late. Um, since the last time we recorded our waiver wire episode on Monday night, uh, the Cardinals listed quarterback Kyler Murray as a full participant in today's practice. So he's participating in full at practice um, as of Wednesday, October 25th. Um, so that is interesting. Um, we talked about him in our waiver wire episode, not only this week, but last week as well as someone you should probably, if he's available, uh, stash on your roster. If you don't have one of the elite, uh, you know, without question, starting quarterbacks every single week, uh, Kyler Murray is someone you should probably stash. So, um, it's looking like he's getting closer and closer to playing. I can't imagine, they start him in the next two weeks as they have a really rough uh, rough schedule. Uh, but they play Atlanta in three weeks and week 10. I would imagine he could definitely be starting by week 10. So, uh, But I don't know. They might surprise, might surprise us and start him uh, before that. So, uh, you know, him practicing in full points towards their you know their desire to get him up and going sooner rather than later for sure i think you bring up a really good point about the matchups like do you really want to bring him back for his first game against the the ravens or the browns i mean two of the toughest defenses in the nfl um i could i wouldn't i don't think i would want to throw him back there even because he's gonna be probably a little hobbled um Still, he could be a little rusty, and those are just not the defenses I want him coming back against. So, yeah, Week 10 against Atlanta seems prime. Yeah, but who knows how, you know, Coach Gannon's thinking, like, 
for me, it, there is some optimism here because I feel like the offensive scheme for the Arizona Cardinals under Gannon is much more is much better than it was with Cliff King- Kingsbury and what he was running. Cliff Kingsbury ran much more of a collegiate style offense, fast paced, um, that just did not translate to the NFL game with all all the athletes on the defensive side. But, you know, we've seen Josh Dobbs have some pretty nice fantasy days in this offensive scheme. Um, Kyler Murray obviously is a much more skilled quarterback than Josh Dobbs, you know, with without a doubt. Um, and obviously is uh, a talented runner of the football. And we've seen Josh Dobbs have some schemed runs and do well with it. So, you know, I <laughs> Modern Warfare 3 is coming out, but um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a little excited for Kyler Murray just to see what happens um, in this offense. I think he can, he can really come back and, and, you know, make some waves. So, I have him on a couple rosters. I'm just holding and waiting and seeing what happens. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think, I think we'd see a much more motivated and, and uh, different Kyler Murray than we saw with Cliff Kingsbury. Well, I mean, I would hope so because if it doesn't work out um, this year, he might not yeah. be on this team next year. So, I mean, he needs to come out and show out in order to make sure he still has a job. Because the other problem is that, like, sure, they could draft a, a rookie quarterback to try to replace him, but he's going to be on the team. You have to try to trade him. But who, if he comes out and looks like shit, what team's going to want to trade for him? Yeah, exactly. Especially with that contract. Um, uh, Tyreek Hill dealing with a hip. So is uh, Raheem Mostert dealing with an ankle. They both... Did not practice today per Adam Schefter. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Um, nothing to point towards they're not playing this Sunday, but they are not practicing. So, But that's pretty normal for a Wednesday and veteran guys. Um, Brock Purdy started showing con- concussion symptoms on the plane back from Minneapolis after their uh, Monday night game against the Vikings. He is now in the league's concussion protocol, which, you know, we've seen all year. Once a guy enters the concussion protocol, they typically do not play the next week. It's a short week for the Niners, having just played on Monday. So that's uh, a bit of a red flag for the Niners. Uh, maybe not your Christian McCaffrey. It's not obviously not going to affect you starting him, but... Um, you know, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle could be affected by this. For sure. And honestly, concussions like this, where like the symptoms start to come on later and they like after the game on the plane ride home, they almost seem scarier. Cause like I had a couple concussions, you know, in my like high school career, but like when they happened, like I knew they happened immediately. Yeah. Like, like your bell's rung and then like it's not just like it, like your bell got rung and you like you get up walk and you walk to the side like oh okay cool I'm fine it's like you get hit and you're like oh I'm still actually dizzy and it yeah. doesn't go away and so a, 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 uh, some t- symptoms that start developing 
four, five, six hours after the game scares me. Yeah. I I would almost say it's if that's what's if that's honestly what happened, then yeah, it's it's a pretty good likelihood that he's not gonna be playing this right. Sunday. And and what happens with San Francisco now? You've lost two games in a row. Um, now you're going to be probably without Brock Purdy. Like it's getting, I mean, it's getting a little weird. Yeah, I mean, at least when it comes to backup quarterbacks, they do have one of the more valuable backups in the league, and Sam Darnold, um, who's been an NFL star. He wasn't great, but he showed flashes. You know, he was a, a top ten pick for a reason, right? And so maybe under the tutelage of Shanahan and teaching him how to not commit so many turnovers, because that was his biggest issue. He had turnovers like crazy, specifically fumbling the ball. Um, if maybe throughout his short time with San Francisco, he's learned to protect the ball a little more and he can come out and play similar to Brock Purdy, where you just like take the right play all the time. Like, don't worry about him trying to make the big play. Just hit the open guy, you know, um, and Chanahan's the best at scheming people open right now. Uh, maybe they, you know, can right the ship with Sam Darnold at the helm while they're waiting for Purdy to come back. Um, in other news, PJ Walker going to start again for the Cleveland Browns um, against Seattle this Sunday. Per Adam Schefter, um, apparently Deshaun Watson is dealing with a strain of the sub scapularis which uh is within the rotator cuff uh it's a common baseball injury and typically pitchers that um sustain this injury miss four to six weeks i mean these are this is me his third week missing already i believe yeah and he i mean he can't he tried to play last week I think he had like five attempts and looked absolutely miserable. Like yeah. looked really bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't expect we'll see probably Watson for at least another couple weeks. Yeah, you know the weird thing about that too is that on Sunday evening or after the afternoon games, it was literally reported that Deshaun Watson would start against the Seahawks this week. And now three days later, he's already been announced that that's not going to be the case. Yeah, it's a it's an odd situation that's happened there in Cleveland with his shoulder. Like, not very clear uh, what's been going on because he was hurt. We didn't know what it was, and then he was medically cleared, and then personally decided not to play, even though he was medically cleared by the doctors. Um, then did play this last week, looked terrible, um, left the game early. And now we're getting this news. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. But Cleveland is in trouble. They just guaranteed this guy $230 million, and (laughs) it is not looking good so far. No, he's basically proceeded not to. I mean, obviously he was out most of last season with all of his suspension um, shit going on. But, yeah, it's – at this point, it's looking really rough for Deshaun Watson, and the Browns just look like they normally do, and they look like the Browns because they just make terrible decisions as a franchise. And bringing in essentially a sex offender is uh, is not a good look. 
<laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, okay, you realize that like most guys, like most other people would have seen jail time for right. fa- for for fondling 20 different massage therapists. <laughs> and instead, right. he got 230 he million dollars. <laughs> like, come on. Oh man, it's the fucking world we live in. Crazy. What a world. Um all right. Aliens strike us down, man. This shit's getting out of hand, dude. This shit's getting weird. Um, last piece of news here. Titans rookie quarterback, Banana Peel, is going to start uh, week eight versus what? the Falcons. Since when was he called Banana Peel? This is the guy that um, he puts, puts mayonnaise, mayonnaise in his, in his coffee, coffee yeah. eats bananas whole, doesn't peel them. Wait, I did not uh, hear that part of it. I knew the mayonnaise and the coffee oh, you thing. Didn't it? He eats just bananas that? whole? It doesn't peel them, just eats them. Why? Raw dog. Yeah. Are there nutrients in a banana peel? Just a texture thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally Googling it right now. It's a texture thing. <laughs> he, likes the man- he likes the nanners to feel a little thicker uh, when he bites <laughs> down on them. So. All right, this is what Google has to say. He wants to bite through some. <laughs> it has been shown that banana peel contains many nutrients and minerals. They found crude proteins in the amount of uh, um, 1.95 plus minus 0.14%. I don't know what that means. Uh, the, <laughs> the mineral composition of banana peel was phosphorus, iron, calcium, magnesium, and sodium. Was that written by Will Levis on Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, this is from the National Institute of Health. It's a .gov, so you know, take that as you can. Um, it says banana peels, a waste treasure for human beings. <laughs> Spokesperson Will Levis. <laughs> Good for him, man. He's uh, he's he's finding loopholes in the dude, banana he, game. He's just breaking down walls, man. <laughs> well, he'll start this week, so. <laughs> Yeah, Titans are in a <laughs> not in a good spot. <laughs> Whoop de doo, Basil. Let's go ahead and trade Derrick Henry and uh let's make that happen. Yeah. If Mike Frable could just accept the fact that like your team sucks and you should just tank hey, a little man, bit. Your team sucks, man. Your team sucks. Doesn't yeah. matter how many fucking grizzly pouches you put in your lip, they're <laughs> still gonna suck, dude. You have to admit it doesn't though. matter. Mike Vabral is has to be one of the best coaches in the NFL. He gets so much out of his players, and his roster's terrible. His roster is f- fucking garbage, man. But they're competitive they no matter what. Like, that dude knows how to coach. For sure. He just needs needs a team. So, um, that's pretty much it for news so far up till Wednesday evening. Um, so let's get into our starts of the week. Yeah. Uh, I'll kick us off here at the quarterback position. Uh, I have a, uh, streamer, uh, selection here for you guys. Let me get to my notes here. Um, so I'm going to go with a streamer option at quarterback. Um, if you know, there's no teams on by this week, so I mean, do you really need a streamer? Probably, it's less likely that you're going to need a streamer, but if 
you do, uh, it's a deep pull. Okay, so that's why I'm so hesitant to say it. <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna go with Kenny Pickett. I think I think Kenny can have a a good game uh, this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's been a rough year for the Pittsburgh offense, um, especially Kenny Pickett. They've honestly faced a lot of tough defenses, especially for quarterbacks. They've played against the Niners, the Browns, the Texans, the Ravens. Uh, but in their other two games um, against you know, uh, more forgiving defenses, he did score over 15 fantasy points. Um, so there is the opportunity there for him to get it done against softer defenses, which the Jacksonville Jaguars are. Uh, they're giving up the seventh most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. Um, uh, the Jaguars have also allowed the second most passing yards per game in 2023. Um, they've also allowed double digit passing touchdowns um, uh, so far this year. So, and in my opinion, you know, with Deontay Johnson back, uh, the Steelers played the, uh, oh my God. Last Sorry. week. Are you talking uh, about last week? Uh, last week. The Rams. They last week? They played the Rams. The Rams. Yes, the Rams. And I kind of expected them to get maybe walked on a little bit, uh, but they played well and their, their offense played better. Um, I expect them to turn this thing around. And if you're looking for a streaming option in week eight at the quarterback position, I think Kenny Pickett is in play as an option. You know, I actually uh, am with you on that sentiment. Um, I have George Pickens in a couple of leagues. I've been super hesitant to start him any week. I think I've only started him in one league, like one time. The other league, I don't think I started him at all. Uh, But I think I am actually starting him in both those leagues this week. Um, part of it's because of some injury issues, but I do like the matchup. Um, and if Kenny Pickett can have a good game, then Pickens will also have a good game. Um, as you mentioned last week against the Rams, actually both Deontay Johnson and Pickens had very solid games. Deontay went six targets, five catchers, 79 yards. And Pickens had eight targets, five catchers for 107. So um, there is a good chance that if they can start to find the end zone, that these become really, really good games for them. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, um, Trey Stinky Finger Jose's start of the week at quarterback uh, is CJ Stroud this week. Uh, Stroud has put together three solid weeks in six games so far this season. Continues to show improvement. Carolina has given up eight passing touchdowns in the last three weeks, and they probably would have given up more yardage if they weren't usually behind uh, early in games. Um, according to Trey Stroud seems like a lock for 300 yards and at least two touchdowns this week against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, so again, Trey's start of the week at quarterback is, uh, CJ Stroud. Damn. You know, I was looking at CJ for my start of the week when I was, when we put this together and the only reason I didn't go with it is because I, I actually expect Houston to jump up on the Panthers pretty quickly and then becomes a uh, run the ball type of game for them. And that's my only hesitancy with CJ Stroud this week. I actually believe someone else 
will be a start of the week out of the Houston offense. Ah, yeah. foreshadowing. So that's all I have to say on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who's your QB? My QB start of the week is going to be Jordan Love playing the Vikings. Oh, um, please don't, dude. Yeah, no, I'm doing it. I am doing it. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> don't do it, dude. <laughs> I've seen every snap. Don't listen, do it. Listen. I'm telling you, man. They uh, are so fucking bad. But let's hear it. All right. Listen, as you've said, you watch every snap. And I know love has been rocky, to say the least, in the last three it's games. It's a love-hate relationship, yeah. He's thrown six picks in the last three games. He only threw one throughout the first three games of the season. So, I mean, he's got to start to take care of the ball. But I do think he gets back on track this week. Uh, Matt LaFleur came out earlier this week, and he still has confidence in love coming into the game. Um, <laughs> I mean, what else is he going to say? All right, but still. Um, <laughs> that guy's fucking... <laughs> You be in sales, dude. That's a fucking uh, salesman from that somehow stumbled his way into a head coaching NFL job. But anyways, continue. Well, you know, Sean McVay will do that to a lot of guys. Yeah, this fucking guy. So, but honestly, uh, I think that over the bye week, they've had a chance to sit down, really dive into the tape, figure out where Love is starting to miss certain throws, and had the chance to really sit down and fix and isolate some of these mistakes he's been he's been showing the last few weeks. So I think it also helps that the Pack are returning after the bye against the Vikings. They're giving up 18 points a game of the season. It's the ninth worst mark in the league, and they've also given up the fifth most passing touchdowns in the league. Um, I just think Jordan Love can come in here, get back on track um, against the Vikings, who I know just looked decent against the Niners, but at the same time, it's, like, it's not like their defense are world beaters. Uh, yeah, I want to agree with you so bad, but you know we watched the Packers come out of the bye. They had thirteen days, thirteen yeah. days between their Thursday night game and then the game last week um, against Denver, who gave up seventy points <laughs> to the Miami Dolphins. Um, it, it, there's ah man, they're just not. There's something really, really wrong with the offense. Yeah, and but but with love, the team as a whole, honestly. Yeah, like, but love it, did. Um, was j- just a smidgen below starting quarterback. Possibly, he had 16 points. Right, you take away the one interception, he's probably a, a top 15 quarterback, maybe a top 12. I have to look at the the exact standings for. For last week, but I mean, he's like right there. But the two passing touchdowns he had should have never. They should have scored three points that that game. They should have not have had more than three points. Why are you dissing your receivers making amazing catches? Well, because the one catch that was between Romeo Dobbs, it was a tie between Romeo Dobbs and um, Patrick Sertan. But as they explained in the broadcast of the game it was a catch in the end zone right both guys had basically possession of the football at the same time but Patrick Sertan's feet both landed in the end zone before Romeo Dobbs's and so according to Gene Steratore that should have been an interception not a touchdown and then did you see the second passing touchdown so well before we go to the second one 
the first one, we had this conversation just in my general sense of what a catch looks like. A simultaneous catch goes to the offense. It wasn't simultaneous, though, no, according the, no, to you, Gene. No, no, no. You said they both had possession of the ball at the same time, but Sertan's feet came down first. Well, no, he they didn't have possession. That Both their hands were on the ball at the same time, but they didn't have possession at the same time, according right. to Gene. But I don't think possession of the ball or having – or ha- they both are ha- have equal rights to the ball, and they both have the ha- their hands on the ball midair. I don't see how someone's feet coming down first means that that person had has more claim to the ball. A simultaneous possession is a simultaneous possession. I mean, it's. I mean, honestly, it's the same. It's the same reason why you lost the Seahawks back in 2013 with the fail Mary, right? They called it a simultaneous catch. They don't even look at who uh, the feet that came down first. They called it a simultaneous catch and went to the offense. I'm with you. I. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows a clear cut, you know, ruling on the rule. Either way, though, like it wasn't a like, wow, what a play and what a throw because it was underthrown. And like, it, it, there shouldn't be, certain should have never even had a chance at catching that ball if thrown properly, but it, it wasn't. It was underthrown, which is the story of Jordan Love so far this year is he underthrows everything. Um, he's noodle arming everything, including the interception that cost them the game. But on the second, um, passing touchdown, if that's what you want to call it. Um, Romeo Dobbs runs a slant. Jordan Love, the first window's covered. He has to go to second window, which is fine, but he throws it three yards behind Romeo Dobbs. It bounces off Dobbs's hands and somehow falls in the lap of Jaden Reed. I mean, all right, all right, that one's fluky. I'll give, super you, I'll give you that play. one. I'll give you the flukiness of that. But like, so, you know. I, Man, it's just hard for me right now. Like, as someone who's legitimately a shareholder of the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> they look fucking terrible. Like, I'm not even kidding. They look really, really bad. I watch a lot of football. They look like one of the worst teams in the NFL right now, All operationally. Right. You know, I'm just saying. You're making a lot of fair points, but just have faith in your brother in fantasy here. And just <laughs> I hope. I mean, fuck. I'm goddamn. I'm the fucking owner of the team. I hope they do well. But shit, man, they have not put anything on tape for me to be like, oh yeah, they are going to honestly. And like, the the other thing I do expect is that I expect them to rely a little bit more on Aaron Jones. And okay, oh, well then, why the fuck <laughs> is Aaron Jones not in the game on the final drive of the game where the game's on the line? AJ Dillon is All in right. the is in the whole time i get it putting a guy on a snap count or whatever but like fuck man we're in week seven like we need to win all right mr minority owner here uh get matt lafleur on the line tell him that aaron jones wasn't in at not one snap on the final i'm telling you mr owner (laughs) get lafleur on the phone tell him that the next time aaron jones is not in the game and in a critical point that he's going to get fired. It's uh, it makes zero sense. It, it really does. I get it if he's on a snap count, whatever, blah blah blah, but we need to win the fucking game. We need to beat the Denver Broncos. And so whatever his snap count is, bump it up by five more snaps and let's get him in the game for the final drive of the fucking game, dude. Like what are we doing? 
Anyways, all right. Let's uh I can't keep going on that tangent. I'll probably get back on it once I get to my sit of the week at receiver, but <laughs> uh my sit of the week at quarterback is going to be uh Dak Prescott, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, if you didn't know. Um he plays against the Rams this week. There's no one on by this week. Um, so in week six, he put up 24 fantasy points uh, just before the, the bye. That came against the, the Chargers, who are not a good defense, or at least give up a good amount of points. Um probably the best one of the best matchups for quarterbacks in the league right now so everything's good and and, and hunky dory but um he had an unusually high amount of rushing um yards that game 40 yards actually on the ground for Dak Prescott against the Chargers in week six plus a rushing touchdown so that was uh, 10, 11 ish fantasy points right there on, uh, on the day. Um, so he doesn't normally do that. Um, no, I mean, the deeper in his career he goes, the less and less he runs. Yeah. He, d- he doesn't normally run that high and, and I don't expect it to continue. I think it was a bit of a fluke, but I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are going to look at Dak and say, well, he put up you know, 25 points almost the last time he was out. I'm going to start him this week against the Rams and what I'm sure Vegas is predicting to be a high scoring uh, back and forth game, which every time they say that typically that does not happen. So uh, right now I I just, you know, Dak hasn't had, um, he's had just one game so far this year with, with multiple passing touchdowns. He hasn't reached 275 passing yards in any game so far this year. Uh, the Rams are kind of middle of the pack against quarterbacks, uh, but I just don't think there is a serious need to start Dak Prescott. I think there could even be better streaming options out there than Dak, Dak Prescott right now. And until I see it, I don't really want to start Dak Prescott. So he's my set of the week at quarterback. I mean, I don't want to sit Dak. I don't want to start Dak Prescott basing any week. <laughs> and I know I think that's just hating on Dak because he's been such a terribly up and down, and inconsistent quarterback for fantasy purposes in the last couple of years. But so it's probably just hating. But that's just how I feel. That's just what it is. What it is. Uh, going to Trey's sit of the week. He's gonna go with. Mr. Russell Wilson against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, as much as the Denver Broncos has sucked overall, uh, Russ has quietly been the QB 10 on the season so far. Um, <clears throat> but in the last two games, he's kind of starting to decline again. He has less than 300 yards total and only two touchdowns in the last two weeks combined. His worst game of the season of only nine fantasy points actually came back in against Kansas City just two weeks ago. He faces them again. Um, so, yeah, we would expect Russ to have another tough game. Kansas City's defense is just legit this year. It's the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had since he's been in Kansas City. 
Yes, sir. So I'm with that. All right. Once again, Big Herbie's come out with some spiciness for a sit of the week. I hey, so spicy. Yeah, buddy. I'm gonna sit. We'll start calling you spicy Herbie then rather than <laughs> big Herbie. I'm gonna sit Tua Taco Bailoa this week against the Patriots. And I all know, we all know the Dolphins offense is killing it this year. Honestly, when Tua has played the last two years, he's a top five quarterback in the league, and you can't even really contest it. It just is what it is. But old Bill Belichick and that Patriots defense has a, has a way of just shutting him down. In his five career starts against the Patriots, Tua is only averaging 14.8 points per game against the Patriots. Only two of those starts did he actually give you a QB1, at least enough points to be a QB1. And his highest point finish of the uh, against Patriots is only 19 points. So even that's a lower-end QB1. And sure, you might be asking asking yourself, oh, well, that's probably happened in the, in the past when he was younger and not as adept to the NFL. I'm going to tell you right now, that's just not true. They played back in week two this year. Tua had his worst start since week three of last season. He won a full calendar year. Obviously, he missed some games. I understand they missed some games. But in a, almost a full calendar season, it was his worst start we have seen from him. Again, old Bill. That dude's got some tricks up his sleeve, and he knows how to confuse the shit out of Tua Tagovailoa, and he got to sit him again this week. No, I like that pick. Honestly, I hate. I honestly, I hate playing anybody against the Patriots because they they always find a way to just slow things down and make it like a real grindy kind of you know grinded out type of type of game. I mean, we literally just saw it against the Bills. one of the best offenses in the league, yeah. and the Buffalo Bills, right? So, um, no, I I like the pick. It's going to be hard for some people to to do that to sit to a, to sit any Dolphins for that you know matter. But um, I hate I absolutely hate starting anybody against the Patriots just because of that fact. It always seems to be a really low scoring game and a really grind out game where Bill just wastes as much time as he can on the clock. And uh, it never is very fruitful for, for fantasy. Yep. And just to throw it out there too, back in week two, when they did play to his low, like I said, lowest point total since week three last year, it was only 11.2 points. Yeah. I like the pick. I do. Um, let's move on to the running back position. Uh, my start of the week at the running back position is going to be Isaiah Pacheco uh, versus the Denver Broncos. Uh, Pacheco, he scored more than 13 fantasy points in five straight uh, games with a touchdown in four of those five. Uh, he's averaging in that span about 17.2 fantasy points per game. Um, I think Andy Reid is is starting to just say, hey, this is kind of our, our running back, and um, we'll let the other guys shuffle in where we see fit. But obviously Pacheco is the most talented running back they have. I think he's the best running running back and the best receiving running back they have. Um, 
he just makes plays when he gets the ball in his hand. And I love that they're starting to lean into that a little bit more rather than getting Jarek McKinnon, who's 38 years old, and, <laughs> um, and you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire involved. Like, let's just let's stick with our guys who, who make plays when they get the ball in their hands, which is Isaiah Pacheco. So, you know, the floor has has for Pacheco, the floor has gotten a little bit more stable um, rather than, you know, a really low floor. I think the floor has risen for Pacheco and in the right matchup, I think he has a really high ceiling, which this is the right matchup or should be anyways against the Denver Broncos. Um, uh, the Broncos obviously have allowed the most rushing uh, yards per game so far this season to, to running backs. Now, a lot of that is skewed because of the Dolphins game, but still this is a, a not a great defense when they're playing an offense that is capable, um, unlike who they played last week against the Green Bay Packers. Um they are they've yielded the third most rushing touchdowns and most fantasy points per back or per game to running backs um and they've allowed the most yards and receiving touchdowns uh to running backs as well so i expect pacheco to have a big game i expect you know travis kelsey to have a big game pacheco to have a big game and maybe even rasheed rice so those are the kind of three guys in this offense. Um, and I would start all three of them uh, confidently this week. Absolutely. A um, couple things on Pacheco. So you mentioned that he's probably their best pass catching back. I don't know if he necessarily has the best hands, but in his year and a half of being on this team, he has 37 targets and has caught 34 of them. It's pretty damn good. I mean, when I watched the games with my eyeballs, like you know he gets the ball in his hands and he makes plays and he runs fucking hard it doesn't mean it doesn't matter if you hand it to him or you toss it to him or you throw it to him when he gets the ball in his hands he makes plays and he runs hard i don't know any football coach on this earth that would refuse to get the ball into a guy like isaiah pacheco's hands like he's a football player through and through and he will live or die by every single run that he gets. So if I'm Andy Reid, I'm like, yeah, that's that's our running back, and I'd be happy to throw him the ball. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The second thing I was going to say on Pacheco here is that um, he's clearly improved a lot, and one of the biggest ways he's done that is through ball security. Uh, through Last season, he had 170 rushing attempts. He had four fumbles. Lost two of them. So far this season, through just seven games, he has 100 rushing attempts, has zero fumbles. Good. So the way that, I mean, and that obviously his usage is way higher. He's going to surpass 170 t- uh, rushing attempts by probably 70 to 80 rushing attempts this season based off how things are going. And it looks like unless something terribly wrong goes happen, he'll have less fumbles in a very significant uptick in usage than he did last year. And if you don't fumble the ball, you're going to be more more on the field. 
especially like you just said, old any coach in the NFL or any coach anywhere, high school doesn't matter what level. You hold on to the ball, you have ball security, they're going to put you on the field. You start to lose the ball, they're going to pull you yeah. off because they can't trust you. Uh, that's a fantastic stack, and that might be, you know, part of the reason why it felt like it was slow going for Isaiah Pacheco and his opportunities, but he's clearly the best back. And, you know, the only thing that probably was holding him back is that ball security trust issue. But, you know, Andy Reid's an old school coach. Um, if he trusts Pacheco now to hang on to the football, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. So um, I'll go with my start of the week here because Trey was not able to provide one for uh, for this week. Um, I'm going to oh, go, bitch. as we hinted towards earlier in the uh, podcast, uh, I'm going to go with Damian Pierce against the Panthers. Listen, I know Pierce has not had the season many of us expected. They were starting a rookie quarterback. We thought that they were going to rely a lot heavier on the run than they have been, but C.J. Stroud's been a revelation. Um, he's the first successful Ohio State quarterback in the NFL in fucking decades. Um, and because of that, Pierce has not gotten a lot of touches. He's even lost some touches, it seems like, to uh, Devin Singletary, which seems insane to me because Devin Singletary is not a very good back. Pierce has only had 15 or more carries in three in three of the games so far and is only averaging 2.9 yards per carry, which is terrible. But honestly, I think most of that can be attributed to the fact that he's only gaining 1.3 yards per carry before contact. It's the 95th best mark in the league. He's just not getting the room to run. But, but, that changes this week. Um, I think that the team, they are coming off a of bye week. They've had time to figure out a better way of utilizing this run game. And they're going up against the Panthers, who are giving up over 31 points a game to running backs on the season. And I think this is just a game where, as I mentioned earlier, I think the Texans get up on top of Panthers quickly. And this becomes a grinded out type of game for Damian Pierce, where he go in and just dominate with his physical running style. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the the few games where you can confidently say that the Houston Texans are probably going to have a positive game script and and get ahead early um, and allow them to really grind out the clock. So it. You know, it's going to take a little bit of nerves to go ahead and start Damian Pierce with what we've seen so far, but um, I I agree. I think he's definitely a start this week. Um, Moving to our sits of the week at uh, running back, I'm going to go ahead and sit a guy that I said to start last week, and that's Brian Robinson. Um, I apologize for... (laughs) saying to start him last week. It's probably the first and only time I'll ever do that because I'm not a huge, you know, I like the guy or whatever, but I'm not a huge Brian Robinson truther. Um, I know there were a lot of people that were kind of touting the volume card for Brian Robinson coming into the season. And I just, I've never really bought into the talent. I don't think he's very talented, but. Um, hey man, he's like 50 cent. He got a shot, came back. I know, and and that's <laughs> part of the issue, right? Is like a, a an it like a situation that has nothing to do with football, like put him kind of, you know, I, look, 
I'm glad he survived. You know, like I'm glad he's okay and all that. And I have nothing to say about that, but I'm saying just like, let's stick to the football here. I get it. He survived, you know, being shot like 50, but, uh, that has nothing to do with, you know, his ability on the football field, which he's okay. I'm, I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's great. Um, so anyways, he was my start of the week last week because he had a really good matchup. Um, that did not pan out. Uh, it was a great matchup on paper, uh, but he just got, he only got eight carries for 23 yards um, against the giants last week. He did score a touchdown, which kind of saved his day um, and got him to at least eight fantasy points in most leagues. But uh, he's, very easily game scripted out of their their offensive scheme. If they're losing at all, Brian Robinson is not going to be involved. And that's just is what it is. For Brian Robinson to have a, a really good fantasy day, they have to be winning. Um and that's just because of the type of player he is and the type of coach and scheme that Ron Rivera and Eric Bianami have have constructed there in Washington, which my opinion um is terrible uh <laughs> for the most part i really want nothing to do with this offense um at all in in any sort of fantasy um circumstance outside of maybe terry mclaurin and maybe logan thomas just because of the the scarcity at tight end but um yeah, so bad game last week for for Brian Robinson against the Giants, and this week they get the Philadelphia Eagles, who are um, allowing the second fewest yards and the fewest fantasy points per game to the running back position. Um, they're probably going to be down pretty early in this game, and that means Brian Robinson will be a non-factor and uh, won't score many fantasy points um he's received 12 touches or fewer in each of his last three games and i expect that to continue against the philadelphia eagles do not start brian robinson that's fair honestly the the weird thing is that like we were expecting to get a ton of usage and he had uh averaged 20 points a game throughout the first two weeks and when he had 19 18 carries and then for whatever reason, since then, he's been looking at basically half those carries or less every single game. And, like, I, I understand game script, but, like, at the same time, like, you can't just go back, especially with a, essentially a rookie quarterback, and expect him to go out there and win the game for you every week. If you can have a bit of a game plan and stick to your run game, it will open up the pass game for you if you are losing. Like, you can't just abandon the run game in the fucking first quarter, which they I'll tend to you, do. I'll tell you right now, don't kill yourself trying to figure out Ron Rivera's thought process because I don't know if there is a thought process or if it's just like, let's, you know, throw shit at the wall and see what, what fucking log sticks. Uh, Um, That's, that's it. That's actually exactly the way he does it. He's like a monkey. I'm so sick of this fucking team, dude. Like I I can't do the Ron Rivera, Washington commanders anymore. I, I don't want any of them on my team. I don't want to start any of them. You know, maybe Terry McLaurin, because you 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 probably have to. But God damn, dude! I yeah, I'm just 
I'm just sick of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't honestly, know how else to explain it. Dude, honestly, that's, you're probably save right. Save yourself though. the headache. He probably like because he's old school, right? He probably puts his play sheet on a projector every oh, week, sure. like the old school projector, right? He puts it all on the wall, and he shits in his hand. And he <laughs> throws it against the wall, and the and the pieces that that stick throughout the week. He it's probably like once a day, right? He'll leave the other ones up there uh, as the week goes on, <laughs> <laughs> and then. The, the basically, basically the twelve plays that his pieces of shit land on. He goes, "Those are the twelve plays we're running," and that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Terry. <laughs> Sorry, Brian Robinson. You're not getting a fucking touch. My shit said so. <laughs> that's just the way we do it around here. <laughs> so that that's. I mean, that's probably true. That's yeah. <laughs> and if it's anything else, it's probably just as uneducated as that analogy just was. Yep. Sorry, Commander fans. <laughs> we just shit all over you. This is what it is, man. I outside of the Packers, I don't know if there's a more frustrating team to watch than the uh, the Commanders' offense. So, I mean, the Bears and the Pan- and the Panthers might have something to say about that too. But yeah, but uh, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, did uh, trade give us it of the week? Yeah, his sit of the week at running back is Josh Jacobs. Um, playing the, the Detroit Lions, you probably can't sit Josh Jacobs. Um, well, maybe. So, I mean, depending on when you drafted, you might not. You might have actually not even drafted until like the sixth or seventh round, based off of how the whole holdout situation was going. So, yeah, yeah, based on when you drafted. Um, but uh, according, you know, to Trey, uh, Jacobs has struggled in general lately and hasn't eclipsed four yards per carry in a single game this year. Now he faces Detroit, who has only allowed uh, three rushing touchdowns, zero receiving touchdowns to running backs this year. Yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs, though, is a volume play. Um, he's been getting a lot of work. Um, maybe not the most effective so far this year, but he has gotten a lot of work. And, you know, if I had to decide between a Josh Jacobs or a Brian Robinson, like, I'm definitely starting Josh Jacobs. Um, So. Yeah, honestly, is it just me, or does it seem like the running back position is almost just as dicey this year in terms of who to start as the tight end position is? It's been tough. It's it's definitely been tough. A lot of injuries. Like, if you look at the second round as far as ADP goes, I was just thinking about this earlier. Um, almost every guy that was drafted in the second round has fallen off due to either injury or their quarterback getting hurt. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, Garrett Wilson, you know, his quarterback got hurt. Um um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Josh Jacobs, um, the list goes on and on. Like yeah. almost I, every guy in the second round. It's just crazy. Cause like, we just talked about two guys, Josh Jacobs, who isn't having the season that a lot of guys thought he would once he came back to the team and Brian Robinson, who you just said has not been good at all. And yet Brian Robinson is the number 10 running back on the season. And Josh Jacobs, the number 14. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Like, we look at these guys, and you just look at their pure stats. You're like, they're not having good seasons. 
and yet they're actually top 15 backs in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Brian had a, a nice start, but um, I think Washington's kind of starting to show their true colors, and and I don't expect them to do jack shit against the Eagles. So um, I think, you know, Terry McLaurin could be a play just because they're going to be behind, but I don't I don't expect them to have much success. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and go ahead and talk about another guy who was drafted in the second round in most leagues and is not having a good year. Uh, Joe Mixon, Cincinnati Bengals running back. Uh, I think in most leagues was drafted probably in the second round. He is the RB 23 on the season. And we all know that the Bengals offensive woes have been extremely well documented as the season's gone along. Um, but I think a lot of that has to go on the shoulders of Joe Mixon. He's only averaging 61 yards per game and 3.8 yards per carry on the season. And honestly, at this point, with how poor the offensive line's been, they have to find a way to get Joe Mixon going to take some of the pressure off of Joe Burrow in the passing offense. But they're playing the Niners this week, so it's just not going to happen. Uh, I know the Niners were just shredded by the Vikings offense who were who's missing Justin Jefferson, but that was almost entirely through the air. Kirk Cousins had a huge game. But San Francisco was able to hold Alexander Madison and K-Makers to a combined 70 yards and kept them out of the end zone. Um, and after losing and kind of getting embarrassed by Kirk Cousins, I expect the 49ers defense to come in just angry and motivated to shit all over the Bengals offense. And that's going to start with Joe Mixon barely being able to move the ball. Yeah. I mean, it's now two weeks in a row that the Niners have kind of been embarrassed um, without Brock Purdy likely to be playing. Uh, I mean, that's still up in the air, but uh, they're going to be relying on their defense heavily to to go out there and, and have a day. So I like the pick. You know, Joe Mixon has been super disappointing, just like most second round fantasy draft picks uh, so far this year. Um, So I like the pick. Uh, My start of the week at wide receiver is going to be Zay Flowers, the Baltimore Ravens uh, wide receiver. Um, Flowers has hit double-digit fantasy points in all but one game this season. Uh, He's topped... 17 fantasy points twice. Um, kind of really developing a nice floor as well as a decent ceiling um, for fantasy managers. Um, found a kind of a cool stat, and it seems like Zay Flowers really thrives against zone coverage um, and doesn't do well against man. At least that's what the the stats are showing. Um, I mean, part of that makes sense. Man coverage, you're going to get a lot more physical play from the defense, and he's a smaller yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, luckily enough for him, he's he's playing the Cardinals this week. Uh, the Cardinals defense runs zone on more than 80% of their plays. Um, the league average is about 72%. Um, so far this season... 88% of Flowers' yards 
and his lone touchdown have come against zone coverage. Um, so all in all, Flowers does well against zone coverage. The Cardinals play mostly zone coverage. Um, so I think this is a, a good week to get him in his lineup. And we talked about this a little bit on our waiver wire episode, but I really think the Ravens offense, you know, we saw it last week against Detroit. I think the Todd Munkin offense is really starting to take shape. And um, I think the team as a whole is really starting to understand it and uh, buy in and, and be successful with it. So, you know, Lamar Jackson's been playing well. He played really well last week. And he keeps playing like this. He's on an MVP kind of season. Um, and, you know, we had a a bit of a debate about this in the offseason as far as who was their most talented receiver. And you're 100% right. It's Zay Flowers. He is their best playmaker on the outside. So um, I expect the rise to continue. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate the pat on the back on that one. Um, honestly, I mean, I harped all over how good this offense was, how good and explosive this offense was going to be with the new offensive coordinator. I was all over it. And, you know, it it takes some time to get it to start to implement and play correctly, but it's clearly starting to show. And Zay Flowers is a huge benefit of that. Um, with that being said, I was watching some tape on Zay Flowers earlier this week. And this dude gets in his out in and out of his cuts. I swear to God, without slowing down a second, it's insane. Yeah, he's, he's quick as shit, dude. I mean, he's really he's talented. I mean, he like he can literally cut like what they call say they talk about cutting on a dime. And I'm not talking about like just doing like a jump cut on a dime. I'm talking about like this dude goes on a ten yard out route on a dime, where yeah. the cornerback is still just trying to break down. He's already catching the ball. It's it's impressive. Um, yep. So, yeah. And a lot of that, you know, that's a, a lot of that is timing, right? Like he has to, like Lamar has to get that timing down with Zay. He has to get used to <laughs> getting the ball out how really fast. fast yeah, Zay is because he hasn't had a receiver like that um, since he came into the league. Yeah. And not so one. <laughs> not um, one. that takes some time to get used to. Um, it takes some time for Todd Monkin to figure out, okay, how do we best utilize this freak athlete in Zay Flowers? And <clears throat> I feel like they're starting to figure it out. And, and you know, their offense is Zay Flowers, Mark Andrews, and then the rest can, can fill in uh, where needed. But that's their offense. And let, let Lamar go and make plays. And that's what they did last week. And it's starting to take shape. And... You know, this is a real Super Bowl contender, in my opinion, with that defense. So, yeah, absolutely. Excuse me. Um, so Trey didn't give us a start or a sit on receiver this week, so we'll go ahead and just pass that up. Um, and you actually kind of mentioned it a little bit when you're talking about Isaiah Pacheco. My start of the week is going to be Rasheed Rice against the Broncos. Um, I mean. Honestly, the three of his best four performances on the season have come in the last three weeks, and he just seems to be building a bigger and bigger connection with Patrick Home- Patrick Mahomes. Um, and yeah, I know it kind of seems like we're picking on the Broncos, right? Sit Russell Wilson, start Isaiah Pacheco, start Rasheed Rice. But in all honesty, with how bad the Broncos have been, they deserve to get picked on. 
So yep. I just expect Rice to put not, put together another really good game. And I actually really expect him to have the his best game of the season so far this year. And he's going to put up receiver one numbers. No, I, I 100% agree. I think Rasheed Rice is a nice start. I think um, Kansas City, you know, uh, the writing's on the wall. He's clearly their best receiver on the outside. Um, and the Broncos kind of Until they trade for Devontae Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Lord, please let it happen. Um, I mean, the Broncos kind of got a pass last week, right? They got a, a nice get-right game against a young offense in the Green Bay Packers that clearly is not up to speed and and not good. <laughs> um, you know, they might be able to get there at some point, but not this year, not right now. Um, and so they had fun flying around and hitting people last week, but this is a, a real – you know, top flight offense, uh, uh, the best, one of the best play callers in the league in Andy Reid. And so, yeah, I expect Rasheed Rice to take full advantage and have a big game. I Hell would yeah. love to flex him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the nice thing about Rasheed Rice based off where if you if you draft him at all, you drafted him super late. You're talking about like one of your last picks of the draft probably or more than likely you picked him off of the waiver wire for on the cheap if you were able to have a little bit of you know foresight and see that he could that he was starting to turn into a good playmaker for this offense. And so if he's your flex player and you're gonna get, you know, our wide receiver two numbers out of him, that's a win all day, every day. For sure. All right. Uh my sit of the week at the receiver position. <laughs> it's gonna be Christian Watson. <laughs> I've never heard you shit on the Packers so much in my life. Dude, it's well-deserved. Um, this offense is piss poor right now. I mean, it is piss poor. You know, and, you know, uh, Christian Watson, great athlete, right? Great athlete, freak athlete. That's cool. He can run fast, jump high. Played eighty eight percent. Is he wearing those PF flyers week. on the field too? I might as well be. Might as well just go out there and be barefoot. I don't know. I mean, for for, for anyone too young, that is a Sandlot reference, by the way. The PF flyers make you run fast and jump higher. I mean, it's it's frustrating, and you know, not just for me as a Packers fan, but like for people relying on Christian Watson in fantasy, he's not startable. You can't start him. Um, I don't even think he's the wide receiver one on this team. Legitimately. No, I, mean, I mean, honestly, it seems like it's, it's Dobbs. It seems it like is Dobbs has a much better connection with, with love than Watson does. Dobbs and, is the more polished receiver, and he's the better playmaker in the red zone. Um, well, because Romeo Dobbs an, relies on route running and and like learning how to manipulate the defense where Christian Watson's just kind of like that pure athlete type of guy still. Dobbs has the intangibles. Um Christian Watson does not. Christian Watson has all the freak athlete measurements, right? That's what he is. That's what he's relied on his whole life. And great. That's great. But he he has a he has a ways to go before he's a polished 
legitimate, you know, NFL receiver. Um, and right now he's just not that. I mean, he played his most snaps of the entire season last week, 88%. Five targets, three receptions for 27 yards against the Denver Broncos, who have gotten shit on a lot this year. So, um, and it's clear when this team is in the off or in the red zone in scoring position, if they're going to throw up a fade or they're going to target a receiver in the end zone, it's Romeo Dobbs every single time. It, it is Romeo Dobbs every single time. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you're a six foot four, 210 pound receiver and you're not getting red zone targets, and you're supposed to be this freak athlete who can jump higher than everyone else and run faster than everyone else, something's wrong there. You know, something is seriously wrong if you're not getting targets in the red zone with that kind of profile. Um, I mean, so, realistically, he should be roughly, in terms of red zone production, like DK Metcalf, and it's not even close. 100%. Yeah, I mean, that's his profile. So, you know, and it's... It is what it is, but the writing is on the wall. You you just can't start him. He's a he's a uh, he's a big play boomer bust option right now at best. And so, at best right now, I see Christian Watson as a boomer bust flex option wide receiver three option right now. You know, kind of a desperation play, honestly, with how bad this offense has been. He's a desperation play. Which is crazy, <laughs> but especially, that's what it is. Especially after the way he came on at the end of last season. And obviously, different quarterback, right? You have an Aaron Rodgers. And the second Aaron Rodgers gets has trust in you, he's going to give you the opportunity every chance he gets. Like It's just the way it goes with, with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, and that's clearly just not developed with love. No, and you know, I think a lot of the Packers fans are starting to realize, like for whatever reason, there's a lot of Packers fans that just hated Aaron Rodgers. For personal reasons, because they I think it's mostly it was over the the drama of the sure because everything he says gets you know amplified yeah. under a, a microscope. But um, for you know everyone who took that shit too personally, like I didn't care. I, you know it's it's between <laughs> the white lines for me. Like right. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. I don't yeah. give a fuck what he says outside. And of honestly, the football I bet field. you I would almost guarantee you a lot of those fans were still a little bit jaded about the whole I'm retiring, unretiring thing with Brett Favre. Like, we don't know. Sure. They're, they're all probably like, we already went through this once. We don't want to go through it again. Like, just fucking make up your either play or leave. And that's what right. I think a lot of came down to. People were just kind of fed up and didn't want to go through the same exact saga. You know, the same old song and dance they had already gone through. Yeah. And but how much is that, you know, tied to the organization? and the guys up top who are kind of toying these quarterbacks along, you know, yeah. like, well, maybe if they had a, a true single owner, instead of being a publicly traded team, then maybe that wouldn't have been the case. Yeah. Well, not going to happen. <laughs> well, yeah, not now. It can't happen now. Uh, but it's similar. Like think about it. Like we heard in the last probably what, five years that Tom Brady was in New England that Belichick was looking for ways to move on from him because they knew that, like, you know, eventually that's the end. We got to have a contingency plan. And Robert Kraft yeah. was like, no, 
<laughs> right. <laughs> Tom's our guy. And as long as he wants to play and is playing at the at the level he is, then we're we're sticking with him. And that's yeah. what it, that's what an owner that has some authority will do. Right. Yep. So, you know, it it's not looking bright for the Packers right now. It, it's I think we're going to go through some dark times, but for this week specifically, um, you know, they're playing Minnesota. I just I don't want to start any Packers and call it jaded or whatever, but if you're okay with your wide receiver one getting five targets and 20 yards, then go ahead and start him, but <laughs> I saw nothing out of this offense or this offensive scheme. Like a lot of it is the scheme, I think. You know, that's been kind of oh, no. covered up the last couple of years by Aaron Rodgers. Arguably the best fucking quarterback to ever play the game who just makes plays. And now you got, you know, a young quarterback who's obviously not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the arm strength is a real concern for me watching these games like Jordan love consistently underthrows his receivers consistently. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, and we, we all know Matt LaFleur probably had in the, his deepest of hearts hated Aaron Rodgers Cause all he would do is go to the line of scrimmage like, and just change everything. Like hot route here. You run this, you run this, you run this, you run this. All right. And now it's my play. Yeah, no longer yeah. your play, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, well, and they fucking won games, and they yeah. put up points. So that's because Aaron Rodgers know. knows, dude. He he was on the Pat McAfee show. I can't remember who he was talking about. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. It wasn't. It was on Monday Night Football on the Peyton on the Manning cast. And he goes, "Yeah, this is an alignment. This is super. This is super easy. Like, th- like their defense go this way. That guy's gonna go this way. So you need to run this route and this route." He goes, "It's super easy." Like he just sees he just sees what defense are doing just based off of their alignment and knows that's where the ball is going. And he always going to have you give you two options in case they put a little tweak into the defense. So he either knows like this guy's going to be open or that guy's going to be open. And that's all that matters. Yeah. That's how, He's that's a, what a veteran quarterback, that, that's the same shit that Peyton Manning and Tom Brady always did. Right. Or Andrew Brees for that matter. They just knew what the defense was going to do. And they were going to know how to adjust out of that play and put guys in the right position to win the game. Yeah, and you and I mean you don't get that type of knowledge without Play. playing the game at a really high level for multiple years, and he just happened to do it, you know, for twenty years, just like Peyton, just like Tom. Like, oh man, it's just frustrating. And so I don't know this this Packers offense has a lot to figure out because they're gonna have to really simplify things and make it easy for Jordan. And I don't. I don't have full confidence that Matt LaFleur can do that. So we've never seen him do that. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, we do know there are times where head coaches or offense coordinators believe their system is above the players. Yeah. But that's not always true. You have to have the right personnel and the right guys to implement that game plan. 100%. Like, it's a cohesion. It's not like it's really not one over the other, but we have seen with hall of fame type of quarterbacks, like they know it doesn't matter what system they run. They're going to be successful because they just know how to destroy defenses, no matter what you give them. No, because I mean, we talked about it last year and the year before on this podcast, like, and I would tell you guys, no, Aaron Rodgers is going to the line and calling the play. Like (laughs) it is Matt LaFleur in his ear, giving him some ideas. And then he's going to the line and calling the play. 
Yeah. And they're running it. Like, that's what's happening. And, you know, when he had Devontae Adams, it was pretty clear cut as to what they're trying to do. But Well, and that's actually a good point, too. Like, not just making reads that way, but also, like, think back when Peyton was in Indianapolis for all those years. It came out, it was very public that they would call two plays in the huddle on every play. And Payne would go yeah. to the line and go, we're doing this play or that play. Right. <laughs> it's yep. stupid. Now, obviously, we've gone off on a tangent here, and we should probably For speed sure. things up. But, um, but yeah, it's just it's it's insane what a Hall of Fame type of quarterback will will provide to any team. All right, where the hell are we? Because uh, my sit of the week. Okay. <laughs> um, sit I'm of a, the week at receiver. Yes, at receiver specifically. I'm gonna go with Marquise Brown, uh, playing the Ravens. Brown has actually quietly put together a pretty damn good season. Um, in spite of playing with a journeyman quarterback and an offense where he's the only true playmaker on the team, um, even more so since James Conner's been gone. He's currently uh, the receiver 21 on the season, but the last two weeks have been really shaky. He has combined for 11.8 points in the last two weeks, which is actually even more impressive considering he's still a top 24 receiver after two really, really poor weeks. But they're playing the Ravens this week. The Ravens are only giving up 23.8 points per game to the receiving position. It's the sixth best mark in the league. And on top of that, they're only giving up slightly over 10 points a game to quarterbacks. It's the best mark in, in the league. So if the quarterback can't get can't even get a playoff or get a pass off, Marquise Brown can't possibly have a good game. And I just expect that Josh Dobbs is back there running for his life and Marquise Brown will not be able to having a good game and all that equals is that Marquise Brown will not be getting his Hollywood star on the boulevard this week. Oh, wow. You've been saving that one, huh? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It's like, right. it like a corny sitcom joke. <laughs> That's pretty terrible. <laughs> um, all right, my start of the week at tight end, Dalton Kincaid, baby, come on. We've been waiting, 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 and the time is here. The time is now. Week eight against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dawson Knox, um, the other tight end that they refused to just not throw the ball to. Um wrist injury he's he's undergoing surgery he's probably going to be out uh probably a couple weeks maybe more uh but Dalton Kincaid is now the only game in town um receiving for the Buffalo Bills at the tight end position so uh we saw last week eight caught all eight of his targets uh for 75 receiving yards he led the Bills in catches. He led the Bills in yards uh, and ran the third most routes um, on the team, 24 total. Um, so um, I expect Dalton Kincaid to be the second and at the very least the third option um, in this passing game uh, for the Buffalo Bills offense. So, um yeah i think i think dalton kincaid should be started it's a thursday night game uh short week uh for the bills but uh you know i expect the young kid to to go out there and show out and be a be an option for uh josh allen in this offense 
Yeah, no, I mean, I like it. He was a guy I was considering myself uh, as a star of the week here. So I like it. I hope that he can finally start to show consistent production in this offense because as you and I mentioned the entire offseason, we uh, expected him to be the second leading receiver on this team behind Stephon Diggs, and it hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it still can't, though. So a lot of season left that he can still be that guy. So I love it a lot. Um, going to Trey's start of the week, as we all know, he is the uh, tight end guy. He that's he likes them tight ends. So <laughs> he is going to go with Darren Waller against the Jets. Obviously not a bad, not a bad pick. Uh, Waller has had 26 targets, a touchdown, and 200 over 200 yards over the last three weeks. Um, he says it's not too impressive, but actually that's very impressive when it comes to any tight end start these days. And the Jets, for whatever reason, as good as their defense is overall, are the worst in the league against tight ends. They're giving up, I think it's over 13 points games to the position. Uh, Darren Waller is clearly finally starting to play a big role into this offense. Now, with that being said, this is my own little asterisk on this. The last few games where he started to really go off was with Tyrod Taylor at, at the helm. Daniel Jones might be back this week from the from the neck injury. Ooh. Yeah. And if that's the case, maybe we don't see the, the same connection because clearly Tyrod sees him open and Daniel Jones has not. That's my only worry this way. Hopefully, though, for honestly, for Trey's sake, that Tyrod Taylor is still the starter this week. And if that's the case, <laughs> Darren Waller should have another good game. That's so sad for Giants fans. Like, you paid this guy how much money? Way too much money. Tyrod Taylor is seeing the field better and getting your most threatening receiving option more involved than he's been all season with, you know, the guy that you just paid a shit ton of money to. Like, holy moly. (laughs) Luckily, they didn't pay him quite so much work. Like, it's a completely untradeable. Um, You know, it's not like on the Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson type level. Um, It's just still terrible. Like who's head. trading for Daniel Jones though? Um, like, legitimately, yeah, you know that's a good point too. I don't know the Raiders probably. <laughs> Honestly, probably the Raiders because they're desperate. Yeah, I could see the Raiders doing that <laughs> shit. So, so, one shitty quarterback to the next. Uh, all right, so going to my start of the week. Actually, I'm glad we brought this up. Gonna go with the Raiders. I'm gonna go out on a limb. <laughs> going out on a limb for our boy Stink. All right. I'm going oh with Michael God. Mayer against God, the Lions. See the day. I know Michael Mayer followed up the best game of his career, short career, obviously, only a few few weeks into the season, uh, with a pretty subpar game. But I still think the trajectory is going up because even though he didn't have the best game last week, he still saw his second most snaps of the season and the second most targets of the season. So he's getting more and more involved in the offense. And the Lions have been one of the weakest teams against tight ends in the NFL so far. They gave him the third most points at 12.7 points per game. So I see Meyer uh, rebounding this week and giving you a tight end one finish, which isn't saying much because a tight end one finish these days is like eight points. All right. All right. Um, all right, my sit at the week at tight end, David Njoku. I won't spend too much time on oh, this. Oh, Two Face himself? Oh, well, Two Face. Um, <laughs> that's so rude. I should have said that. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> hey, be careful of how much fucking lighter fluid you dump on a fire before you try to light it, kids. 
And David Njoku will tell you that. Because I guarantee you that's what fucking happened. Um, but, hey, he's not he's not from where we're from, where we know how to have a good old bonfire, right? So, um, but, uh, yeah, David Njoku, it's been tough. Uh, no Deshaun Watson again. Um, he's topped 50 yards just once. Yet to score a touchdown this season. Um, so the floor has been really low and there really hasn't been much upside. Um, now he's playing the Seahawks. They give up the seventh fewest yards to the tight end position and no touchdowns to tight end so far this year. So yeah, sit, uh, sit two face. Yeah. David to joke. <laughs> I like yeah. how you can basically call him the Joker and then also two face two Batman villains. Very, very duplicitous of him. Is He's that the right building word? his character for sure. <laughs> the backstory is insane. Um, Becoming more marketable because he <laughs> doesn't do shit on the football field, so you got to fucking spice things up a little bit. <laughs> um, Trey's sit of the week at tight end is going to be Johnny Smith, the tight end one for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, <laughs> he plays the Tennessee Titans this week. His former team, one of his former teams, um, he is the tight end 11 so far in this year. That is Jonu Smith is the tight end 11 so far this year. Um, wow. Trey says his usage um, is on a bit of a downtick of recent weeks. You know, they're trying to get their tight end two more involved, which is Kyle Pitts. I don't know if you've heard of that guy. Um, but <laughs> you might have trying to get him more. He involved. might use a little bit of a uh, draft capital on him. Cheers, <laughs> this um, bitch. But Tennessee as a whole has been very stingy against tight ends, giving up an average of forty-five yards per game and uh, no touchdowns so far to the tight end position. So, Johnny has kind of been a sneaky, nice little play for those that you know didn't draft one of the two elite tight ends and consistent tight ends. <laughs> um, so it might be a week to pivot away from John new. I don't know who the fuck you're going to start <laughs> instead of him, but uh, you know, maybe Dalton Kincaid is still available on your waivers if he wasn't picked up, but uh, that's who Trey says to sit. That is Johnny Smith. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. So in our dynasty league, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three. Which, for everyone who knows, our Dynasty League is a 14-team double flex league. Um, not super flex, double flex. So you can't throw a quarterback in there. It's got to be a uh, uh, you know, skill position player. Deep and two weeks, ago, two weeks ago, I started both Kyle Pitts and John Newsmith. <laughs> one in tight end and one in my flex. And it worked out. I think it worked it, out. It did. I won that week. And I think one had like 12 points and one had like nine. And I was like, perfect that's exactly what i wanted out of you guys <laughs> fuck man yeah that league's tough right. man it, there's so like you went off of like three maybe four guys every week everyone else can just basically kick kick rocks because yeah. that's how how deep that league is it's terrible yep um all right my sit of the week at tight end i'm gonna go with evan ingram um, Ingram actually is getting a ton of work so far this season. I think he's tied in eight on the season so far, but 
He has at least seven targets in the last six games. He's actually the third most targeted uh, tight end in the league behind Travis Kelsey and TJ Hawkinson. The dude gets a ton of work, but it's not been developing into a ton of production. You would think he'd have more be more of a top five tight end, but he just hasn't been so far. But this week, he's playing the Steelers. I just don't see that turning into a lot of production for him. The Steelers are limiting tight ends to only six points per game, and that includes limiting the George Kittle and Mark Andrews in separate weeks to the best tight ends in the league to a combined 12.9 points. They shut down tight ends. It doesn't matter who you are. And if, with that being the case, Evan Ingram should not be in your lineup. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, it, it's not a good matchup, but the Doug Peterson Jaguars will do everything they absolutely possibly can to get Evan Ingram the ball instead of Calvin Ridley. So... Right, but, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but, but I mean, we were gets, watching the game on Thursday, right? Yeah. Last week in all 22. Uh, I think I watched the first half by myself without you. Um, but um, from what I saw, you know, watching in the all 22, watching the receivers run their routes and where Trevor Lawrence was looking from the moment he started his drop back to the time that he threw the ball, every single time his first look was wherever the hell Christian Kirk was. And his second look is Evan Ingram. And, and, and then after that, it's kind of like, well, he's either scrambling or trying to make something happen. Uh, but that that was the progression. And a lot of times it was Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram on one side of the field. And that was his first, the, the first side of the field that he would go to. And then on the other side of the field was Calvin Ridley running a nine route or running some bullshit route. And I don't know if it was a game plan thing again against the Saints. Maybe that maybe it was because they're a tough pass defense. But a lot of their action in the passing game was Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram playing off of each other, running crossing routes. So no, and not that, I don't. And, I can't figure out this offense right now. I, no, I and honestly, it's, a, it's a fair point. But what I'm saying here with with Ingram, he's getting a ton of work. Like, for instance, in the last three games, he has 22 targets, and it's caught 15 of them. But they're not yeah. targeting him down the field. His highest yards uh, yards per uh, yards in any game in the last three weeks is 45 yards. It's five catches for 45, seven catches for 41, four catches for 28 yards. They're, not, they're just not giving the ball down the field. And so he's basically being put on these dump-off routes. So he can catch five, six, seven, eight balls even. But he's only getting, yeah. He hasn't surpassed seventy yards once on the season. Well, and I think, yeah, like, like tell me what you think. But watching that game, the Thursday game last week, it it, it felt like not like they weren't going down the field. No, like, it's, at all. it's a lot. Like of they dump took off. a couple shots to Calvin Ridley at finally at the end of the game, and he almost made one incredible catch down the field, but. um there really were zero shots past 10 yards down the field. Everything yeah. was like these short little it's like dump offs. And like and like run. you said, like they're basically throwing Calvin Ridley on deep routes on every play and then letting Ingram and Kirk come across the middle and see who's open that way. But like they have to change something. Like it's, it's super weird to see because obviously Doug Peters had a really explosive offense when he's in Philly. And like something's got to change here. They got to... I don't. I think they just need to change things up. Make 
change it up where who's getting the deep route on ever on these different plays. Don't it can't just always be Calvin Ridley who seems to be the only deep factor in this in this offense right now. They need to yeah. change it up and let Christian Kirk go deep, let Evan Ingram go deep, and then that and then let Calvin Ridley come short because Calvin Ridley also is one of the best receivers in the game with his ball with a ball in his hands. Right. Like he makes guys miss. He's really good after the catch. And they're just not giving him the chance to even do that. So I think they just need to add a little more variety in terms of the types of routes these guys are running. It'll open up this offense a ton. I think so, too. And, you know, not to go on a, off on a tangent about this, but Calvin Ridley will be 29 years old in December. Um, he's still playing on his rookie <laughs> contract. Because of the like, suspension and shit, but yes. it's It's so important for Calvin Ridley to put up some numbers this cuz he has to get paid whether that's in Jacksonville next year or or anywhere he's going to go whoever you know whoever pays him the most is where he's going um cuz he has to um so it's super important for Calvin Ridley to be involved in and make plays and we just have not like Doug Peterson does not fuck about that at all no, I mean, Clearly. and it's uh, not, but that he shouldn't like. He's a head coach. He's he's there to win games. Sure, uh, which is what they're doing. Games, yeah, and they're yeah. and that's what they're doing. So uh, that's true. But I still think that this offense could be way more explosive by giving a little variety to it, which we have not yeah. seen a ton of. So, anyway, so too. Let's uh, All right. let's finish this thing off and get to the obviously the highlight of our start set episode every week. With Stinky's yeah. Defense <laughs> of the Week! Yeah. Damn, dude. That was good. <laughs> I, I had that to really... Impressive. I had to bring in my, like, Bruce Buffer to get that out. <laughs> that was fucking... Yeah, I'm ready for fight night, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, all right. Stinky's Defense of the Week. Uh... It is the oh interesting the Los Angeles Chargers uh, versus the Chicago Bears. Here's what Stink had to say: uh, Tyson Bajent, that is oh, the secret, Bears secret Bajent man, secret yeah, secret Bajent 007, uh, looked decent against Las Vegas. Who doesn't uh, <laughs> last week? But now he faces a much more daunting defense. Uh, unit that included Khalil Mack, who might have himself a bit of a revenge game this week against his former team and a rookie quarterback. Los Angeles Chargers defense hasn't looked great fantasy-wise, but they have been getting a lot of sacks (laughs) and and have four interceptions in six games so far this year. Add to that a likely low-scoring game from Chicago and the Los Angeles Chargers as well worth a fantasy start this week. You heard not from bad, man, not bad from old. Heard it from, from the man Jose. himself. I'll throw another one out there too, just uh, for the people. The Atlanta Falcons. I knew you were going to say that. I've uh, seen you pick up the Falcons in like every league we're in together. <laughs> like this week is like waiver wire edition. Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> and it's always James. James is picking up the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> on a discount in every league he can. Fuck yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, Jim's defense of the week is the Atlanta Falcons. They're playing <laughs> old banana peel 
and mayonnaise coffee next week in the Tennessee Titans. And his okay? first start of his career, yeah, it's going to get first start, ugly. his rookie year, it's going to be rough. And the Falcons, for the most part, have been in basically low-scoring games every single game they play in. Um, it's a pretty good defense. Um, they don't cause a ton of turnovers, but they keep the, the scoring low, and I imagine um, they'll be able to create a couple turnovers against old Banana Peel and the Tennessee Titans um, this week. And then they get Minnesota the following week, which is an okay matchup. Minnesota I mean, can be not the way miss. Kirk Cousins just tore up San Francisco, but yeah, but but that's Kirk Cousins, right? Like he can be perfect against the Niners and then show up the next week and be completely shit. That's true. That's very so, true. Um, so yeah, they get Tennessee this week, Minnesota next week, and then uh, Arizona week ten, and we'll see if that's Kyler or not Kyler, but a decent matchup there before they go on by. So, um. And then they get New Orleans, the Jets, Tampa Bay again, then Carolina, Indianapolis, and then Chicago in the championship week. So really, I mean, for the rest of the season, Atlanta is not a bad fantasy start for defense. That's that's legit. They have a lot of really good matchups for our defense the rest of the year. Yeah. That's- that could be a defense you could literally hold on to throughout the the rest of the for season. the rest of the season. It's yeah. pretty crazy, and that's why I picked him up in every league, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that'll do it for our starts and sits of the week. Um, keep an eye out next week, I guess, for our uh, waiver wire episode. Uh, but good luck in all of your matchups this week in this slate of games. Um, if you have starter sit questions prior to the games kicking off, hit us up at the fantasy football fathers or the FF fathers on Twitter or Instagram. Happy to answer those there for you. Give us a follow a like. If you appreciate us talking a bunch of bullshit and drinking beers while we do. And uh, other than that, just a good old heartfelt thank you for listening, and uh, we will catch you next time. Sayonara. Bye.